This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the Florida Supreme Court is back to full strength now that Governor Ron DeSantis has appointed two new justices from South Florida. And I'm happy today and very pleased to announce the appointments of two more South Floridians, Judge Renatha Francis and John Corial as the next justices for the Florida Supreme Court. One of the new justices is from Jamaica. The other is a child of Cuban refugees. You'll hear extended comments from both as we take a deep dive on the freshman class at the Florida Supreme Court. The governor says the state will appeal the decision of a Tallahassee federal judge who overturned Florida's new law that says former felons have to pay all their old legal debts before their voting rights can be restored. So, um, well, the, the one, the case we knew was going to happen, that was obvious from the beginning. It, it'll go to 11th Circuit and we'll see how it shakes out there. DeSantis is also inviting the Republican National Committee to move their nominating convention to Florida after Donald Trump suggested they would bail on North Carolina because the state has imposed too many restrictions to try to limit the spread of COVID-19. As Florida goes back to work, the state is being sued over failures in the unemployment compensation system. Tallahassee Circuit Judge John Cooper heard from several Floridians who are still waiting to get their first check, but he didn't offer them much hope. I don't disagree that this is a terrible situation that your clients are in. I don't disagree that they need to get paid and paid as quickly as possible. The only thing we don't agree upon, it appears, is what power do I have to fix it? We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and get the latest on two people who are the spitting image of Florida man. Not exactly great expectations, more like expectorations. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, May 27th. The latest stats from the state health department show there have been at least 52,255 confirmed cases of coronavirus in Florida and 2,338 people have been killed by COVID-19. That is a relatively small increase, seven in one day, but the numbers can be deceiving after a weekend because it takes a little bit longer to have the deaths reported, especially after a three-day weekend. The coronavirus takes a bite out of the state budget. April's tax collections were $878 million below the official estimate. Sales tax collections down almost $600 million. Corporate tax collections down almost $250 million. The budget wonks in Tallahassee say a large part of this loss is attributed to declines in tourism and hospitality-related industries, as well as auto sales. The governor has a message for the GOP. If you really want to move the nominating convention, bring it to Florida. Donald Trump has been dropping tweets threatening to move the convention from Charlotte unless the governor of North Carolina, who is a Democrat, can guarantee there won't be any limits on crowd sizes during the convention in August. And like a narrator on The Price is Right, Governor DeSantis is urging the RNC to come on down. Florida would love to have the RNC. Heck, I'm a Republican. It would be good for us to have the DNC in terms of the... uh, in terms of the economic impact when you talk about major events like that. So my posture on all this is we should try to get it done as best we can in, in coordinates with whatever whatever safety requirements. But, you know, his government will be talking about the safety restrictions, the president's government. So if he's going to do a convention, obviously he's going to want to abide by whatever they're saying. So if we can get that done and do it in a way that's safe, uh, that would be a huge economic impact for the state of Florida. We, we lost out on when, with, with the pandemic coming, and we lost out on some of our traditional events that we normally do, some of the golf tournaments, tennis. We had WrestleMania scheduled for April, which people don't realize is hundreds of millions of dollars of economic activity. So I think that that would be great. And so Florida, just like I've said to many people, 
Florida wants to work with you. If you're a business, if you're a sports team, if you have some of these events, we want to work with you to get to yes. I can't guarantee every single idea is going to necessarily be something that, that we're going to be able to do, particularly like tomorrow, but as you look in the summer and stuff, we definitely want to work. So the doors open, we want to have the conversation, whether it's RNC, DNC, whatever, because I think it would be good for the people of Florida. I have not spoken with the president specifically on that, but um, I have, we've let the folks at the White House know that, that we want to work with them, and we think that would be a good thing to do. So, so he knows that, and I know the key people in his administration and in his campaign know that. We obviously have a number of areas in our state that could do it. Obviously, Miami could do it, Orlando could do it, Tampa could do it, Jacksonville could do it. You may even have some other places that, that could do it, and I think it's just a matter of, of whether they, um, you know, they want to do it. But these are things that go in, I mean, and the good thing about it is they've already raised a lot of money for this already, thinking it was going to be in North Carolina. So if you have a Florida committee, if it ends up in Florida, a lot of that work in terms of raising the funds has already been done, and so it would kind of be a plug-and-play thing. So we would want any of the local communities that were interested in doing it to work with them. I'm not going to say that I'm going to choose Orlando over Miami because it's really not my decision. Uh, my decision as a governor is to just kind of say we, we want to work with you guys. We'd like, to have, uh, we'd like to have these things here in Florida. DeSantis is not the only one who would support a move. North Carolina's largest newspaper, the Charlotte Observer, ran an editorial saying they should call the president's bluff because their city would be better off without a convention of 50,000 people in the midst of a pandemic where face masks have become a political issue. A columnist in the Chicago Tribune went so far as to suggest the RNC convention be held on cruise ships off the coast of Mar-a-Lago. After hours of testimony through a video conferencing system, the fate of a lawsuit against the state and the company that built the state's failed unemployment compensation computer portal is still undecided. Tallahassee Circuit Judge John Cooper heard a lawsuit filed by attorney Marie Maddox on behalf of workers who claim they've been unfairly denied unemployment benefits. They are literally stuck in limbo. They have no um, uh, determination about where they are. Um, they submitted their applications back in March. They have repeatedly called and either have been disconnected or there's no answer that's been given to them as to what their status is. Are you contending that the agency has decided not to pay the claims just because they don't want to? What, what is your basic contention? A basic contention is twofold. One is that the system that DeSantis and Lawson and Satter knew back at the time of the audit um, back in 2019, and there have been four audits that have been done showing that the system was fatally flawed. And there were 600 um, problems that were identified in the last audit, and nothing was done to fix these problems. That happened in 2019. They knew in advance that there was a problem, and they did nothing to fix it. And the reason that the court has... Did they know about the coronavirus in 2019? It doesn't matter Judge, whether they knew about it or not. Judge, that's a red herring. It is. That, that but we have hurricanes in Florida, we have had pandemics before, and the governor himself in an admission in a press conference said this system was not prepared for a mild recession. Here's the issue, which I'm trying to explain to y'all. What you are telling me are things that might very well be effective political arguments. It might be reasons people might not want to vote for the governor or might not want to run for the legislature, but there are a lot of cases. <coughs> I don't have the authority to tell the legislature how to do their job. I don't have the authority to tell 
the governor how to do his job. I don't disagree that this is a terrible situation that your clients are in. I don't disagree that they need to get paid and paid as quickly as possible. The only thing we don't agree upon, it appears, is what power do I have to fix it? Near the end of a hearing that was scheduled for three hours and had already dragged on for eight hours, the lawyers began talking about working till late at night to finish. Judge Cooper was not amused. I've got 800 other cases I have to deal with besides this one. And at some point, uh, I worked all day yesterday. I worked half a day Sunday. I've been here since nine o'clock this morning. The court reporter and I are the only ones to actually have to listen to everything that's being said, and which I've been doing. She's tired. I'm tired. I'm calling it, and we're going to come back Thursday afternoon. Can you do that? Yes, sir, we can. I'm sorry, but at some point, going too long uh, is not the way the process should work. The hearing resumes tomorrow at 1.30. The bill comes due for the wrongful murder conviction of a Jacksonville man who spent 43 years in state prison. Florida lawmakers approved a bill setting aside $2,150,000 for Clifford Williams. That's $50,000 for every year behind bars, including his time on death row for a murder he did not commit. Williams is 76 now. Back in March, he told lawmakers he wants to return to Florida State Prison, this time as a minister. I thank God for everything he have did in my life. Because I couldn't have did it by myself. But God did it. Yeah. It wasn't what I did. And I got a lot of friends of mine that's still in that prison system. And they told me once I've been out of Yale, that I could come in and bring that ministry in there. And that's what I want to do. The bill to compensate Williams was approved back in March, but was not forwarded to the governor until Tuesday. And now it's up to DeSantis to decide if it becomes law. This is not a controversial bill, quite the opposite, in fact. There was not a single vote against it in the House or the Senate. Next up on Sunrise, a deep dive on the state's newest Supreme Court justices. One is from Jamaica, the other is a child of Cuban refugees. And they'll tell you their stories as we take a deep dive on the freshman class of the Florida Supreme Court. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we're much obliged. Florida Hospital Association members are safe, ready, and equipped to care for all Floridians. As our hospitals resume elective procedures, ensuring the safety and well-being of our patients, employees, and communities remains our first priority. Contact your local healthcare provider for information on visitation policies, access restrictions, and how to get needed care safely. Please visit the Florida Hospital Association at fha.org COVID for more information. Welcome back to Sunrise. The Florida Supreme Court has been short-staffed since December, when Justices Barbara Lagoa and Robert Luck were elevated to the Federal Appeals Court in Atlanta. The governor had been planning to name their replacements in March after the legislative session ended, but then there was this whole COVID thing, and the appointments were relegated to a back burner. But the court is back to full strength now, and the governor has made his appointments. The first is Palm Beach County Circuit Judge Renatha Francis. Judge Francis will be the first Caribbean American to sit on the Florida Supreme Court. 
and she may be the first Caribbean American to sit on any state Supreme Court. We've researched it. We haven't been able to find anyone. Maybe other folks can look at that and see, but it is quite possible, but certainly in Florida. Judge Francis was born in Jamaica and immigrated to the U.S. After, uh, as an adult after having run two businesses in Jamaica and serving as the primary caregiver to a younger sibling. It's extraordinary what she's been able to accomplish. Um, her understanding of the Constitution reminds me of another famous Caribbean American, Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton was born and raised in the British West Indies. He rose from obscure circumstances to be the greatest Treasury Secretary in American history, as well as one of the main authors of the Federalist Papers. And Hamilton articulated what Judge Francis deeply understands, that the judiciary lacks authority to indulge its legislative preferences, that courts cannot exercise its personal will, but merely apply a legal judgment. I'm incredibly honored and humbled by this appointment and the confidence that you've shown in giving me this tremendous opportunity to serve the people of our great state of Florida. From very humble beginnings to standing before you all today, I am truly the epitome of the American dream. I grew up in the island nation of Jamaica, the daughter to a single mom who never finished high school and who herself was only a small farmer's daughter. But none of that mattered because what my mom had and what she imparted to her two daughters was grit, determination, and hard work. And those values inculcated early and often were reflected in me when I began my first profession, as the governor mentioned, as a small business owner in my late teens and early 20s. And for those of you who are curious, um, I operated a bar and a trucking company. I did that for about five years. So, and I did that all while attending college full-time, eventually graduating with high honors, and being a surrogate parent to a much younger sibling. As a student of history growing up, I was and remain in awe of the United States, its constitution, its freedoms, it's respect for the rule of law, and I wanted to be a part of that story. And so like generations before me, this young immigrant girl set out to find her place in this shining city on the hill. When I embarked on my second prof uh, profession in the law, never did I imagine that my journey would lead me here, standing before all of you. And so I'm truly grateful, but more than that, I'm humbled that I get to be a part of this American experiment and to serve at the highest level of our state judiciary. The Florida Supreme Court protects the people's liberty. And part of doing that is respecting the limited role that judges play in our constitutional system of government. As judges, we exercise neither force nor will, but merely judgment. It's okay, baby, it's okay. And so we apply the law as written by the people's duly elected representatives. This timeless principle in a civil society promotes predictability, uniformity, and it provides a framework for and restraints on the polity, um, checking arbitrariness and the potential abuses of power. If history teaches us anything, it's that as simple and enduring as this principle is, it's evaded the vast majority of humanity until this American experiment. 
in our great country and our great state, we're governed by the rule of law, not of men. The governor is also appointing Miami attorney John Curiel, who's giving up a lucrative private practice to join the Florida Supreme Court. John Curiel is the son of Cuban exiles. His father escaped the tyranny of Fidel Castro via Operation Pedro Pan in 1961. John replaces a daughter of Cuban exiles, Judge Barbara Lagoa, uh, on the Florida Supreme Court. And one of the things I really appreciated about Barbara uh, was how the rule of law was just ingrained in her as being something very important. And I see the exact same worldview out of John, given the family's experience. People like John, and it's particularly our Cuban-American community, they understand the importance of having a society based on the rule of law rather than based on the whim of an individual dictator. Um, and so when you go through that, when families have that, that personal experience about what can happen when law gets superseded, you produce people like Barbara Lagoa and John Curiel who understand the importance of upholding the Constitution and upholding the rule of law uh, for all of Floridians and so that we can maintain a free society. Uh, I'm profoundly grateful today. I'm grateful for the trust that Governor DeSantis has placed in me by inviting me to serve on the highest court of our state. Uh, you've heard it said that Alexander Hamilton said courts have neither force nor will, but merely judgment and sometimes a good audience. Uh, Governor, my prayer today is that your judgment uh, will have been good and that my judgment will not let you down. I am grateful to the people of the state of Florida who welcomed my parents to our country 60 years ago when they and their parents sought justice, a better life, and most of all, freedom. This state and this country shared all those things with my family. There is no better way to be grateful for something than to share it. And so today, in committing myself to this work, I also give thanks to the people I am blessed to serve, with whom I am honored to share my best efforts. I am grateful to my parents, who made the most of the opportunities available only here, only to Americans. For my father and for his parents, that meant sacrifices I, now a father myself, find inconceivable. He, like 14,000 other children from Cuba, and untold millions from other places, parted ways with his parents, trusting in the goodness of this country, coming here as an unaccompanied child. He spent six years in the care of good people who owed him nothing, but who were Americans. My mother, too, came from Cuba. Her parents took whatever work they could find, did it well and without complaint, so that she and her siblings would know what is possible in this country. Today, they do. And while none of my grandparents are physically here to celebrate once more how their sacrifice has been rewarded, I know they see it. Both new justices have the seal of approval from the Conservative Heritage Society, and both went out of their way to say they have no intention of stepping on the toes of the executive or legislative branches. You pretty much have to say that if you want to be appointed to the bench by Governor DeSantis.
Speaking of courts, the state lost a big case over the weekend, but the governor wants to keep fighting. On Sunday, a federal judge issued a ruling that overturned portions of a new state law that says former felons who have served their sentences cannot have their voting rights restored until all their fees and fines have been paid and they made any court-ordered restitution. Judge Robert Hinkle decided that's a pay-to-vote system, which has been prohibited by the U.S. Supreme Court. Governor DeSantis supported the law and says the verdict will be appealed. So, um, well, the, the one, the case we knew was going to happen, that was obvious from the beginning. It, it'll go to 11th Circuit, and we'll see how it shakes out there. We knew this was going to happen. I mean, it was obvious from the beginning of how this shook out. No other court in the country has held this, even the Ninth Circuit. So um, I think we'll go, and then we'll see, um, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think that there's obviously good grounds. The state's brief will be filed at the appeals court in Atlanta, which now includes two judges who basically owe their jobs to DeSantis. Your calendar of events begins at 9.30. That's when the Valencia College Board of Trustees holds an online meeting. The State Reemployment Assistance Commission is also meeting at that time in Tallahassee. Congressman Gus Bilarakis takes part in a roundtable discussion with the Florida Defense Contractors Association at 10.30. The State Division of Elections holds a remote workshop to talk about issues about provisional ballots. That's at 11.30. The Florida Transportation Commission is also holding an online meeting at 1. The South Florida State College Board of Trustees meets online at 3. And the Hillsborough Community College Board of Trustees holds a conference call at 4. And finally, it's time for the continuing adventures of Florida Man, like spit polish without the polish. A Florida man who spat and coughed on a cop after claiming to have COVID-19 has been indicted on federal terrorism charges. A federal grand jury in Tampa returned the indictment against 31-year-old James Curry for committing a biological weapon hoax and could face up to five years in prison if convicted. His attorney claims prosecutors are stretching a law that's meant for terrorists and that the U.S. attorney's position in this case would make each of the millions of COVID-19 patients technically in possession of a biological weapon. Finally, a Florida woman is jailed after being accused of spitting on groceries in a Publix at the Largo Mall. Police say 58-year-old Sharon Turpin is a transient and was causing a disturbance inside and outside the store with employees and customers. She's charged with trespassing and providing a false name. Police did not say how many grocery items may have been contaminated or thrown out because of her. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.